0: welcome to data protection gumbo it's more than just a podcast it's a source of insights to keep you tapped into all things data driven so that you can be the most informed technical expert in the virtual room listen in weekly to stay educated on the latest trends in backup recovery storage cloud and security I'm your host, Demetrius Malbro, and on this episode, I have Chris Marshall, who grew up in St. Louis and also attended Washington University. He has spent his career creating custom software solutions for companies of all sizes and industries. He also started his newest company, Verified Backups, to provide better disaster recovery options for corporations and he is also very happily married with five adult children. Chris, welcome to Data Protection Gumbo.
1: Thank you, Demetrius. It's an honor to be here.
0: All right. So why don't we start off first by you introducing yourself and a little information about verified backups.
1: Thank you, Demetrius. So uh, as you saw in my bio, and I didn't mean to trip you up at the end, by the way, it's just When you find a marital status form on any kind of paperwork, they never have an option for very happily married. So (laughs) I try to work that in when I can. Yeah. Uh, It'll be 32 years in December. So
0: congratulations.
1: Thank you. So I've spent a lot of time, as you mentioned, creating custom software solutions and database driven solutions for companies, nationwide companies, small to local regional companies, you know, always around how can we use your data sets to drive your company and create better workflows. Um, It's astonishing how people can have a computer on their desk and still uh, do things, in my opinion, the hard way. Uh, No, you cannot run your payroll for 300 employees in an Excel spreadsheet. That's just not gonna do. Um, And so, you know, as you work with companies and data sets, uh, one of the things I noticed was uh, people having a loss every so often, you know, you, you try to build redundant systems and so on. But I got a call on vacation. One of my clients uh, was hit by lightning and actually it was their computer. It wasn't the client mm. himself. Wow. Um, but it was it was a stock trading server that I would built five years prior and as a stock trading company. So they were done. Um, they couldn't do transactions for their customers. I had a good daily backup that went to the cloud. It was sort of the seed for my new idea. And we had them up and running in a few hours. Uh, So I watched my kids play on the beach and I sat with my laptop and did the geek thing and got them back up and running. But I started thinking, what if they had not had that backup? Um, Saw other situations with ransomware and crypto viruses and, you know, like you can do all the best things and things out of your control uh, can cause a disaster or a headache. But a client called me, Uh, they had ransomware, every file on every computer was deleted. They found out their uh, payroll backup had not worked for nine months. They had no idea. They were getting a happy email every day. And again, these things happen and you take notes and you observe what life is teaching you. And I realized how were they going to know that they actually had a backup? So I set out to create a solution that would address those issues and decided it was best to incorporate it as a new company so that was the the quick genesis of verified backups Uh, just started out solving a problem that i found myself running into
0: okay i really love that story and that's one of the reasons why i have you on again for the second time we just can't get enough of uh, stories around just being able to protect data overall and when i when i run across someone who truly is passionate about making sure that individuals can quickly recover uh data whether it's just an application or whether it's a database or you know whatever that particular workload is it's always something that i like to hear more insights and best practices around and so you also mentioned things like ransomware and you and i both know that's a really hot topic right now anything that's security related Everyone is talking about it, so I want to get your perspective, Chris, around just overall like disaster recovery and some of the the new security risks like ransomware. How does that change how, how customers should be thinking about like business continuity, disaster recovery, and resilience?
1: That's a great question, and it's very interesting because I think 10 or 15 years ago, I don't know if ransomware was a thing back that far. And so... When we looked at data loss potentialities, we looked at, you know, fire and flood and, you know, theft and destruction and things like that. Nobody was ever threatening us and, and putting people in these pressure situations where, you know, I've got to have this million dollars by noon or all of your stuff is gone. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that didn't exist before. Right. And so, you know it introduces two challenges one is how do you keep the bad guy out of your front door you know if you're thinking of your business as a house how do you lock the door and still do business right uh, i mean if you disconnect your internet connection you'll never get ransomware but you'll never do business so you have to find that compromise and then the second half is what if he does get in your front door and there's so many ways that can happen how do you recover How do you get back to a secure state and how do you move forward as a business?
0: Okay. Yeah, I I love that. And also you mentioned maybe it wasn't around and I think it's been around for a long time, except it's gotten more sophisticated. So just a different form of malware. And to me, that's a result as a rise of the cloud and also things like software as a service and you know, IaaS, PaaS, and SaaS. And, you know, it's a really interesting world now of all of these different acronyms of how you can move workloads and how you can store data and also how you can access different systems. And so just speaking in general about SaaS, why is SaaS a great first move for organizations going to the cloud? Because I hear different stories around Should you go to the cloud? Should you not go to the cloud? Or is it a combination of both?
1: Well, I think the SaaS model is really beneficial for a few reasons. One, it allows the company to make a move in any direction at a fraction of the cost. So if you think of, I mean, what's the biggest example of software as a service? Probably Office 365. Now it's Microsoft 365. So if you look 10 years ago at the cost of $400 $400 per copy of Office for a 1,000 employees, that's a chunk of money. And then every couple of years you're having to upgrade. And now Microsoft comes along and says, hey, 8 to $10, maybe $20 for the Supreme Edition, you can have everything and you never have to make that upgrade decision. So the software as a service model is wonderful. And look, we do that with a lot of things. You know, we insure our car. We hire them for a few dollars a month to make sure that we're covered if we have a crash. So other industries have figured that out, and it's um, you know the IT industry is has caught up. I think it also allows companies to try a new technology again at a lower cost of entry. You know I can rent space on AWS. It's not a promo for AWS, but I can rent space on AWS for not that much, whatever that means, and. Try setting up a server and a web infrastructure and a cloud infrastructure. That's a heck of a lot cheaper than me building a data center and then pulling in the internet lines and then pulling in the security. And then what was it? The uh, Wall Street, one of the New York Stock Exchange data centers was underground. And that was great until Hurricane Sandy. So the astronomical cost of them doing that in-house versus leasing what somebody else has built. Does that help?
0: Yeah, it it does help, and I, I just recently read something around it's okay and it's fine when you are talking just a few servers. Once you start to really scale, and depending on, you know, how many servers you need, what type of demand you need as far as being able to have customers access, like let's say it's Black Friday, and so you have an influx of customers all hitting your website and trying to purchase and do whatever they do at that specific time. And if you can automatically spin up workloads within AWS and it do, it's done for you, then it's economical to, to be able to do that. But if you get so large, it's always going, to me, be a hybrid situation where it may be beneficial to have some systems on-premises. On that you maintain and then also take advantage of maybe a subset of certain workloads and systems within within the cloud because that conversation is truly changing. One other thing to say about that is that I, I really wanna tap into the different types of databases because I know Verify Backups and what you do is primarily targeted at protecting databases and making sure that databases are recoverable. So what type of of databases do do you protect in any insight around doing that?
1: Sure. So we currently work with Microsoft SQL Server databases and also MySQL, which is common to like 20% of all websites use MySQL. So that's the newest addition to our lineup. Um, as other products come online, you know we'll expand that to Postgres and uh, maybe even Oracle. But databases in general are just harder to work with You can't take your accounting system database and throw it on a flash drive and take it home to work. It's just the files are too big. They're always in use. So uh, it's a lot different than trying to back up your Word and Excel documents. Um, And so that's why we're focused on maybe what's harder for people to do. And we found a great way to solve that problem.
0: Okay. And also, I, I, I think that's a great thing to do. And I don't really see a lot of individuals just honing in on, on focusing specific on one thing like a database. But to do something like that means you definitely have to be a specialist within that particular thing. Are, are you seeing anyone else pop up in that space or is that still relatively flat from your perspective?
1: I don't see a lot of people focusing on databases. I mean, I, there's plenty of companies that will take a snapshot of your whole server and it has a database on it. The question I set out to solve is, how do you prove that your backup worked and that your backup is good if you have a disaster? And if you have a snap of your whole server somewhere, you don't really have a way to prove that. And if you're responsible to your corporation, it's good to know. It's good to know that you know that your, uh, res- that your backup is restorable.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that as well. and. Have you ever seen a, a situation where ransomware impacted a, an organization and maybe one of their databases was, was accessed and encrypted or corrupted or something? I, I don't think I've heard an individual case like that before, but I'm, I'm curious if you've heard anything around that before.
1: Not in my experience. I, I mentioned this company that I knew. They had, it was actually a crypto virus, so there was no ransom demand. But it still destroyed every file on every computer, which included their database. Um, So, you know, in their situation, it went from working one day to not working the next day. I know in a lot of ransomware situations, it's gradual. It may take a week or two uh, as they go through and disable your backups and so forth.
0: And just just overall, from your perspective, I want to tap into your insight just in case someone needed some advice around protecting themselves or their systems from ransomware. Do do you or can you provide us with a few steps on how to protect and also limit the impact of ransomware?
1: Sure. So let's assume that you are taking all the measures you can take to close the front door of your house. My wife always asks me at the end of the day if I locked the door, you know, did I turn off? You know, whatever. Make sure they don't get in. Okay, because that's that's the obvious, but then to me as far as defending yourself if there is an attack, it's all about redundancy and it's all about having things off-site. You know, we all have or many of us have a safe deposit box just because we don't want those valuable papers to be burned in a fire or suffer theft or anything else. We get that off-site and we get that away and we put that in an environment that is climate controlled and whatever else. I would say do the same thing with your data. Find, um, if you will, figuratively speaking, a safe deposit box. Where can you put your data that is separate from your company and separate from your influence so that if somebody infiltrates you, they can't get everything else? I mean, if somebody takes every item in my house, they won't get my safe deposit box. And if somebody takes every item in your company, you don't want to have all of your backups under your control and on your network.
0: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. I love your analogies around locking the front door and just double checking and making sure that things are are locked down and protected, especially where there are entryways. Um, One other question that, that I want to ask you as well as what is the... Is there one particular database type that you see as more or less cumbersome around recovering?
1: No, I mean, each database has their strengths and weaknesses. Um, SQL Server is actually pretty easy to work with. Um, MySQL as well. And there's two types of recoveries. There's the, my database is gone recovery. And there is the Uh, Joe in HR deleted 10 employees out of our payroll system recovery, right? And those are different. Um, And I've had that phone call before, and I don't know if it was Joe, I don't wanna throw him under the bus, but, but somebody had deleted some key records. We couldn't restore the whole database because this was days later, but we could stage that database and then cut and paste, if you will, the relevant sections. And so as far as what we're working with, SQL Server and MySQL, those are both pretty capable when it comes to a recovery.
0: Okay, awesome. And I also heard through a little birdie, and this was not the one on Twitter, (laughs) but um, it looks like you you have a patent that you were awarded uh, a few months ago.
1: Yes, thank you. uh,
0: how How was that process? And tell us a little bit about that.
1: So it's very interesting to get a patent because you start by doing a search. And so I searched on the premise of verified backups, which is two things. One, your backup is encrypted, transferred securely to our server and restored every day. So to me, you can't prove that it backed up unless you actually do a restore. The second premise is let's date check that to make sure that there's current data in there that's not nine months old like Mm -hmm. that scenario. So those are the two premises of verified backups we hired an attorney to look at 120 million patents in a bunch of countries, and nobody had a patent on that two-step process, which surprised everybody because it's not like, you know, inventing a Tesla or making something technologically majestic. Um, it's it's two steps that I think people should, should consider. Um, so after that, we applied for the patent. That took about six months. We expedited it. Uh, so for $2,000, you can cut the overall time from three years down to six months. And I thought that was a good idea. And um, went through worked with a great attorney, national law firm called Brian Cave free shout out. And uh, he submitted everything, the patent examiner came back and said, I think this is like a couple of other patents that we already have. Uh, And he and I explained the difference. And a lot of it came down to that timestamp check actually checking the date of the data, not just the time of the backup. It, it turned out that there was nothing in the U.S. Patent Office database on my process. And so I was awarded that in April. And, and it just means that Microsoft isn't doing what I'm doing. And, you know, Veeam isn't doing what I'm doing. Great companies, but I've come up with something to where when I email you, hey, Demetrius, backed up your payroll. I see activity through Tuesday, the 25th that proves that I can read enough of the data to confirm to you that everything's good. And it closes that loop.
0: Hmm. So it's more like being able to sleep better at night to know that you have a third party, someone else who had an opportunity to to not only confirm that the backup is solid, but also recover that, because that's the number one reason why we up data in the first place is that it's recoverable when the time comes in case of that, that disaster or that insurance um, need comes up, comes to be. So yeah, that's that's uh, super great, and congratulations on that patent. And also, I was on your LinkedIn, and I, I saw some pictures of you uh, on Kilimanjaro, Mount Kilimanjaro, is that is that right?
1: That is correct, yes. Um, we'd been planning for three years, my son and I, and we had this little pandemic thing that kind of made us wait, Uh, but we went uh, mid-September, so about five weeks ago, and we climbed the tallest mountain in Africa, got to the top, Uh, it was amazing, and um, did a little uh, marketing trip out of that as well with verified backups, and then we went and uh, had an animal safari and saw uh, every large animal that you would want to see, giraffes and lions and everything.
0: Tigers. Oh, my.
1: All of that stuff. (laughs) But, you know, part of my messaging in this trip is, you know, people need to go conquer the world and do whatever great thing they're going to do. We've got their back.
0: Okay. So is, is that the lessons learned from climbing Mount Kilimanjaro that you can put into maybe techie terms as a takeaway?
1: Well, I think, you know, one lesson is plan to do something great and then do it, you know. In our case, it was climb a mountain. In your case, it might be um, set up a redundant data center or create an off-site backup or whatever. It, it's the same steps of plan and execute and dream and get excited and then make it happen. And, you know, there's, of course, there's tons of challenges around anything people want to do, uh, but it's worth it when you get to the top.
0: Well, all right. And one, one more question before I let you go. I am curious as to what's on your nightstand. What are you reading these days? If you have time.
1: That's really interesting. So one of my um, most common reads is Atomic Habits by James Clear on the power of creating little tiny habits and how they can revolutionize your life. Um, another one that I just recently finished is called Obviously Awesome uh, by April Dunford and it's about positioning your product or service in a way that people look at it and to them it's obvious how awesome that is and You know, that's a lot of customer research and customer interviews and things like that. But sometimes people have a great idea and then it's just getting enough attention to it and getting enough traction for it. And isn't that what we're all after?
0: I completely agree with that. And Chris, I really want to thank you for taking time out to come on Data Protection Gumbo, provide your insights around the importance of not only backing up your critical workloads, but also verifying that those backups are recoverable. So thank you again for appearing on Data Protection Gumbo.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Demetrius, and I hope all is well with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Data Protection Gumbo. Please follow us on Twitter at DPG Podcast and join our Backup and Recovery Professionals LinkedIn group. Just search Backup and Recovery Professionals on LinkedIn and you will find the group. And until next time, Gumbo listeners, have a fantastic week.